Greetings. It is with great joy that I introduce the topic of meditation today. I hope this podcast will entice you to build or rebuild a practice of stillness into your daily routine. If you already have a meditation practice, I hope that these tools will expand that for you. And if you're new to meditation or have never practiced before, I've got some great techniques for you to get started. Welcome to your journey on Wellness Way. My name is Kim Lewix. I'm a registered yoga instructor through Yoga Alliance and a certified Ayurvedic wellness counselor. On this podcast, we will discuss ways for enhancing our health through nutrition, fitness, aromatherapy, bodywork, daily routines, and the general connection of mind, body, and spirit. My goal is to share my past and current explorations in the systems of yoga and Ayurveda, which is the ancient traditional science of life, to create more joy, more vibrancy, sustainability, and longevity for ourselves and for our community. Please join me on Wellness Way. As I explained in the beginning of this podcast series, Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga, and together they provide a multi-dimensional approach to wellness. As I learned through my studies, Ayurveda brings balance and harmony to the physiological system to support the balance of the mind, while yoga brings alignment and harmony to the mind to support the physiological balance of the body. So these two systems always work in tandem to uncover the true state of being. And one of the primary yogic practices for bringing balance to the mind is the practice of meditation. Before I speak of the details of meditation, I'd like to quickly review the eight limbs of yoga to bring you to a better understanding of where the heart of meditation lies. First, there's the limb of self-restraints, or yamas, as they're called in Sanskrit, Y-A-M-A-S. These are the universal ethics of yoga. And when these values or virtues are upheld, one can thrive in life's fundamental nature. The second limb, or the niyamas, N-I-Y-A-M-A-S, create a foundation for superior health and well-being. They are the codes of personal contact. Therefore, the niyamas align you with yourself. And I'll address these first two limbs, the yamas and the niyamas, in more detail when I cover the system of yoga in a later episode. The third limb is asana, or the physical poses of yoga, which you are already familiar with, probably. And the fourth limb is pranayama. In Sanskrit, Sanskrit, prana is life force, and pranayama 
is the expansion of that life force via the breath. There are many breathing practices utilized in the practice of yoga, and we'll revisit these and their benefits in a few weeks as well. The fifth limb of yoga begins the journey of going inward. It's the first step known as pratyahara, or the withdrawal of the senses, that precludes meditation. In this fifth limb of yoga, it's possible to move away from the external world through which the senses and the mind are commanding your attention. So it's the process of becoming more quiet, withdrawing the senses. Next comes dairana, which is the practice of concentration. Step two, if you will, in the journey towards meditation. Many of us have had glimpses of meditation, which are actually moments of focused awareness. It's through the sixth limb of yoga, concentration, that we begin to understand and direct the flow of thoughts. When the moments of focus or concentration become linked or steady, one is experiencing dhyana or meditation, which is the seventh limb of yoga. In this state, we are completely aligned with the breath and the body. Concentration becomes meditation when you're able to remain in a steady, blissful state for a prolonged time. And the final limb of the yoga system is called samadhi. A good description for samadhi is unlimited meditation. It's in this state that the body and the senses, including the mind, are completely resting and the ego is checked. The oneness is real in this state as the individual is completely absorbed into pure consciousness and bliss. That's samadhi. So those are the eight limbs of yoga in a nutshell, although they don't fit in a nutshell very well. I think this overview of the system of yoga is essential as we forge ahead with the idea of meditation and, and how it is so that you can see where it comes from. You can find see its roots. Because in my opinion, one needs to practice the prior limbs to truly begin the practice of meditation. And I'm not saying that you need to be a master of the headstand or absolutely pure in thought, word, and deed. But to have knowledge of the ethics, know the physical alignment, be comfortable with the breath, and have the ability to disengage are all skills that are very essential to setting up a practice of concentration and meditation. Because the ethics and the codes of conduct, how we view ourselves externally and internally, will help us to understand the mind and how we use it to relate to our surroundings and to ourselves. That's the first two limbs, yamas and niyamas. And learning to sit peacefully is founded on the postures of yoga, the third limb. Yoga asana is performed so that the body is able to sit comfortably in stillness through meditation. In the practice of yoga, it's important to find a restful seat 
using a wall, a chair, or other props to keep your spine upright is suggested because sometimes our hips or our back muscles can be weak or tight and we may need that. So here are some methods for learning to sit on the floor and gradually introduce the muscles to this this, uh, position for practice. One would be to sit on the edge of your chair without using the back of the chair. And sitting on the edge of your chair helps to strengthen the muscles of your back. Over time, they cease to rely on that chair back for support and you become stronger. Another trick is to do Sukhasana after Shavasana. And what that means is you want to take one to three minutes each day to sit in a simple cross-legged posture, which is Sukhasana in Sanskrit. And then after you can do this after you have your usual yoga practice when you're feeling most flexible and relaxed. Shavasana is the final relaxation practice from uh, for our asana practice. So Sukhasana after Shavasana is my little way of saying just sit in a simple cross-legged pose after you complete your asana practice or your yoga practice. My third tip for finding a comfortable seat is to get your back against the wall. If you're especially feeling especially weak through the front body and the back body, you can get your back against the wall and use a small rolled towel to place between your wall and your lumbar spine, which is that lower back area of your spine. But you want to also make sure you support your knees either by bending them slightly, sitting in a cross-legged position, or um, you can also put a block in the space between your sacrum and the wall and use your core, try to move your hips away from the block. That'll help you strengthen your core muscles too. So those are a couple of ways to use the wall in your practice of finding that comfortable seat. And then the, the fourth one is pretty simple. If you watch TV in the evenings, get down off the sofa during the commercials and sit on the floor. The word asana literally means seat or sitting. And being comfortable and sitting comfortably is the true indicator of a successful yoga practice. It's interesting to note that all the postures that we do get us to that one complete seat so that we can practice our stillness. The Yoga Sutras, which are um, ancient texts of yoga, say that uh, one of the sutras says that perfection in an asana is achieved when the effort to perform it becomes effortless and the infinite being within is reached. When we're aligned physically, we can then learn to refine our breath and come to know ourselves energetically. Pranayama, or breath control, is the fuel that sustains us to stay steady in our bodies and minds. In the Hatha Yoga Pradika Pika, which is another classical yoga text, it states, when the breath is steady or unsteady, so is the mind, and with it, the yogi. So 
That's why understanding and practicing the first four limbs of yoga is paramount to establishing a meditation practice. Have you ever heard someone say, I meditate for an hour each day? You may think to yourself, wow, I wish I could do that. Or, hmm, that sounds boring. But you're most likely thinking, how can they even do that? Emptying the mind isn't easy. And attaining a true state of meditation necessitates significant preparation so that the mind can shift gradually and develop over time. That is if you want to have an authentic meditative state. The pathway to meditation begins with the fifth limb of yoga that I talked about earlier called pratyahara or sense withdrawal. Personally, I feel that there are two types of pratyahara. First is the withdrawal from external stimulation. Like a turtle that retracts inside of its shell, your practice of pratyahara will teach you to go inside yourself and retreat from the external noises that exist around you, meaning the noises of opinions, interruptions, distractions, associations, influences. I consider receiving solitude as the first step to the practice of pratyahara. It can be practiced each time you find a quiet location. When you focus on your breathing, you're turning inward and detaching from all outside stimuli. The key here is to practice regularly so that you can access this state of external sense withdrawal whenever you want to. And some ways to do this are walking in nature or watching the sunset or sunrise. And you can also consider your speech and how much you tend to talk. Curtail your urge to speak a bit this week to bring more reflection and centeredness into your life and see how that affects you. You can also choose to be in solitude with others by practicing the concept, concept of mauna, which is the Sanskrit word for silence. A good time for this is just prior to or following a meal. And another effective time is the first thing in the morning or the last thing before sleeping. If you live with others, you can make this silent time a period for eliminating the television, computer, or any other device that produces sound. And for just 10 to 15 minutes, and earbuds plugged in don't count, try to keep the silence with reading, drawing, or writing. and eventually slowly phase out these activities and find a comfortable place to just be still. During this time, consider your thoughts and observe what surfaces. This is a great prelude to meditation. Performed on a regular basis, Mauna becomes an important tool for generating increased awareness. The Yama which is one of the ethics of yoga, of non-stealing, or asteya, as it's pronounced in Sanskrit, 
can also be a consideration for keeping the virtue of silence. And these are, this is the practice of non-stealing in the form of words, right? So that's the similar ethic of moana or silence. When you practice silence, your thoughts become quieter. And ultimately, you find that you're able to pacify your emotions and soften your personality. Once you're able to remove all external commotion, you can be free to choose the sensations that you wish to bring into your field of awareness. In order to accomplish this, you need to detach from the internal noise that's going on in your own mind. Emptying the mind is the second type of prayahara or sense withdrawal. So after quieting yourself, begin practicing this deeper level of pratyahara by closing the eyes and observing your mind. Refrain from judging, analyzing, or even connecting with the mind. Try to be an observer and see what surfaces. And I would suggest that following this quiet period, that you spend some time journaling about the patterns and the topics that arose in your mind at this time. After practicing this, you'll begin to learn to detach from your external and your internal senses. And your mind, the commotion that's in your mind, will begin to quiet so that you can truly see what lies within. Like a body of water that gradually settles after a wind or object has influenced it, your mind will eventually learn to calm and become clear. And then you're ready for a deeper state of concentration that can lead you to meditation. When I began exploring a meditation practice some years ago, I found it difficult at first to remain present. Who hasn't? Luckily, there are a myriad of techniques available for generating awareness. And through trial and error, like me, you will eventually discover a method that speaks to you. In the end, a meditation practice should give you energy, enthusiasm, peace, and joy. Ayurveda defines meditation as the process of directing the mind inwards toward pure awareness. Not only does it bring peacefulness to the mind, meditation is known for allowing you to think a new thought that you've never thought of before. You see, meditation gets us to that deeper level. It allows us to access the emotions, thoughts, and feelings that are buried We become the witness and see ourselves as we were meant to be seen. Physically, meditation can decrease blood pressure, muscle tension, and it can allow our brain waves to settle, inviting relaxation and increased focus. And this is how it works. When the conscious mind becomes quiet, the subconscious mind is allowed to emerge. Now, the conscious mind is the surface mind, 
which contains fully realized thoughts. But the subconscious mind is has those undigested, undigested or submerged feelings and emotions that we bury. And the key is to have access to these subconscious thoughts or emotions in order to create greater awareness so that you can come to terms with them and find peace. But first, the mind needs to be cleansed because the mind can be like a mirror that is dusty or dirty. And like when we look into a mirror that's dirty, it'll always be unclear until the mirror or the mind is clear. In order to create a clearer mind, we need to purify it by becoming more objective. Are you having negative thoughts or more negative thoughts lately? If so, try to refrain from thinking of yourself in this negative way. Think of it like pulling weeds or words from your garden and try to put them out outside and away from your thought process. In their place, you can plant beautiful words, beautiful flowers, positive, uplifting, and good thoughts and words which can grow and flourish, clearing and purifying your mind. My teacher describes the flow of thoughts like the flow of a river. The nature of the river, whether turbulent or still, will determine how easy the travel. If our thoughts are turbulent or agitated, we will have trouble accessing the right path. But if our thoughts are smooth, positive, and peaceful, we can navigate easily and find our way to greater happiness and wisdom. And now I'd like to share some techniques, meditation techniques that have worked for me. But because some of you may be driving or not in a place that's conducive to practicing right now, I want to just give you an overview of the techniques here. Granted, there are lots of ways to bring stillness to the body and mind, but these particular practices work well for me. I'll also be including a supplemental guided meditation recording in the show notes that you can access when you are able to listen and follow more intently. And it'll just have the basics there for you to practice along with. These are going to be the tried and true practices that I turn back to if my practice takes a hit, like during the holidays or any other time that my set schedule gets off. And after being off or not on a schedule for a week or more, I find it a little difficult getting to my mat each morning, to be honest. But when I practice this particular meditation breathing sequence as the first order of business in the morning, it always makes a smooth transition for me to get back into my daily habit. So here's how I do it. I spend about six to 10 minutes doing this practice before heading into my usual uh, 30-minute asana session. I find that the breathing and the meditation that I practiced before helps me to delve deeper into my hatha yoga, which is my physical yoga. And overall, it makes my entire yoga practice feel strong, more effective, 
and it gives me a clear and positive mindset for the day. So I break my routine into four segments. First is the centering, where I prepare myself, mind and body. Second is where I become more focused. I use a focus technique called neti, 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 and I'll explain that. And the third is another technique called the Hong Sa Kriya, and that's more of a concentration, moving into a meditative breathing state. And then finally, I just try to be still, and it's kind of naturally happening after those three steps where I just become still for two to three minutes or so. So here are the steps for creating, first of all, a centered um, seat and mind. First of all, if possible, I try to face east in the daytime and north if I'm doing this after sunset. I begin in a simple seated posture that's comfortable for me, and we went over that earlier in the podcast. And then I take what's called a resurrection breath. And I'll explain how I do this. And again, in that recording that's going to follow in the show notes, you can actually practice along with me. But right now, just listen. So I deeply inhale first. And while holding that inhalation, I turn my head to the left and I exhale in two quick breaths like this. And then I turn my head back to center and I inhale my first real breath to mark the start of my practice. And symbolically, this technique gets rid of the emotional self when I exhale so that I can reawaken to a new level of awareness through the inhalation. And then I create a circle of light or a circle of energy around myself by doing this. First, I exhale completely, and then I inhale a deep, slow breath. And then as I exhale, I make one mental circle of light or energy around my body, and then a second circle around the room, and finally a third circle, which encircles my entire home that I'm in. And I try to do those three circles with one complete exhalation. And then I inhale again, And this time when I exhale, I extend my field of energy or my light, whichever you see, up and down into the infinite space above and below me. So then, finally, in part of the centering preparation, I do the invocation of goodness, which is a universal peace blessing. It's a way for me to prepare my mind for the work that I'm about to do. So I do a chant, and I'll say the chant to you now. You can listen to it, and then I'll follow it with um, the English translation. Om Shavasham Shvastir Bhavatu. Shavasham Shantir Bhavatu. Shavasham Purnam Bhavatu. Shavasham Mangalam Bhavatu. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti Hi. Translated, it means, may goodness come to everyone. May each person find peace. 
may all experience that which is complete. May all experience that which is favorable. Om, peace, peace, peace. So if you could learn that in Sanskrit by repeating it, that would be wonderful because Sanskrit words, as I've mentioned before when I spoke of mantra, are very harmonizing and encouraging and they connect with specific energies in our subtle or inner bodies. But if you just want to learn the English and practice that, that's fine too. Also will give you that sense of connection and that preparation for your mind. And the second part of my um, meditation for daily use is the practice of the neti, neti, neti technique. N-E-T-I is the word. And practicing this over time will lead you to a more meditative state if you stay diligent. The intention is to keep bringing yourself back to the object of your meditation and eventually the mind will find that it's easier to stay focused than it is to continually migrate back to thinking about other things. So I'll just explain it briefly. First, you're going to close your eyes and focus on something meaningful and be still. Again, don't do this if you're driving, please. And when your mental focus starts to shift to other streams of thought, you just chant silently the words neti, 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 which mean I'm not that thought. And you try to maintain that technique for a few minutes. And then you can slowly allow the words to dissolve into silence and stay in that place for a few breaths. And you'll directly follow that technique with the Hong Sa Kriya, which is another form of uh, concentration and focus. But I call it a meditative breathing practice. And it's simple. You mentally chant Hong, H-O-N-G, as you inhale, and you mentally chant saw, S-A-U, as you exhale. And when, so when the breath is still, the chanting stops. When your breath elongates or shortens, so does the word. So it's completely connected to your inhale and your exhale. Hong, saw. Okay, its Sanskrit meaning is simple and profound at the same time. Hong means I am and saw means spirit. And kriya is, means action or movement. And you want to keep this process passive by allowing the breath to breathe you. So it's not a, a set number of seconds for breathing your inhalation or your exhalation. In fact, the least effort you put into it, the more you will enjoy it. And this is very effective for me. I've very find very good connection with this technique and I'm finding that the more I practice it the more it becomes a habit that I look forward to doing and the most important quality of a practice such as Hong Song saw is its effectiveness it's not the technique itself but the outcome when you approach it with positiveness and joy it will bring you serenity and I'd like to uh kind of give you a little bit of a background with this Hong Sa Kriya, something that when I learned about the technique, uh, I was told by 
one of my teachers, Gaswami Kriyananda. And he explained it like this. In Sanskrit, the word hamsa or hongsa, which is another word for it, means wild gander. And it has great symbolic significance. No matter how far the wild gander flies, at some point it remembers and it migrates back to its home, always at the proper season. In the same way, we, as spiritual beings following a spiritual principle, must, like the wild gander, remember and migrate back to our spiritual home. And that spiritual home is the inward state of samadhi, which I talked about as the eighth limb, the state of bliss, basically. So the Hong Song Kriya meditation is a key technique whereby you return to your spiritual home. And then when you've completed those two techniques, the Neti 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 and the Hong Sa Kriya, you'll want to remain still to give the mind time and space to receive any new thoughts. This may only occur during, during the next few breaths or sometimes just for the length of time between breaths. But during this brief period, a solution to a problem might arise or you might feel a great burden lift and a new sense of clarity emerge. I've also experienced a general attitude change, one where I'm more enthusiastic or accepting. Not every day will produce the same result, but be patient and kind, realizing that the practice is slowly unfolding you. When these practices of focus and concentration transition into longer periods of stillness, you're meditating. Meditating, you'll find a stream of tranquility that flows smoothly, uninfluenced by pleasure or discomfort. You see things clearly and perceive reality that exists beyond the boundaries Meditation teaches you to admonish the thoughts that don't serve you in order to clear the mind for more favorable impressions. It trains you to slow down your response time so that you can make conscious reactions and it gives you choice, power, and freedom over your thoughts. And when you learn that you have a choice in how you respond, you can stop that autopilot mode and begin to make new, more favorable choices. And by bringing positivity into your field of awareness, you can lift yourself out of depression, anxiety, addiction, or any state of dis-ease. And that's the practice. Remember, today's show notes, you'll find a link to my guided meditation with those four steps. It's just about five to ten minutes. I'm not sure yet. I haven't recorded it, but it's generally about five minutes for me. So this is a great way, as I mentioned, to get you started on your path to meditation so that you can see yourself exactly as you are. And the journey continues. Namaste, my friends.